I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 19, The Rise of the Church of Christ, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 20 through 22. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Right. So the way I typically um, do an episode preparation is I read through the Come Follow Me and I read through the chapters and then I read through whatever the extra readings are. So if there's additional scriptures, if there's talks, um, revelations in context, all of that stuff. Um, I also read, I take notes on everything. I compile all of my notes into a notebook And then I reread my notes and I go through and highlight things that stand out to me. um, And those are usually the things that make it into the podcast. So you'll notice that sometimes I list out um, a bunch of stuff that I don't actually even talk about in the podcast, but I still read it. And like the information was in my brain when I was thinking about the podcast. But today's a little bit different. I did all of the reading. Um, but I didn't get around to making the notes for everything. I got the Come Follow Me notes down, and I got the notes for the actual scriptures. So from Doctrine and Covenants sections 20 through 22, I have all my notes for that. Um, but we're about to head out to my husband's grandma's cabin, um, and I wanted to record before we left, and I didn't write down the rest of my notes. And so we're working straight off of what Come Follow Me says and just the notes I have for Doctrine and Covenants 20 through 22. Um, but I still recommend going and reading um, The Keys and Authority of the Priesthood by Dallin H. Oaks and Why the Church by D. Todd Christofferson. Um, both of them are really good talks. Um, but I will also say I have yet to have read a talk that I didn't think, oh, that was a really good talk. So I will, uh, I'll put that preface, I'll put that preface there. Um, so let's jump into this. One of the things that I wrote down from Come Follow Me is um, that section 20, so I'll just read it. It says, section 20 is introduced as a revelation on church organization and government, but before outlining church policies, priesthood offices, and procedures for performing ordinances, this revelation begins by teaching fundamental doctrine. Why might that be? Okay, why do you think that is? Um, And so that's kind of something I want to keep in mind as we're talking about um, the rest of the rest of the information, I guess that we're reading today. Um, so let's talk about the nature of God in Christ, as we always do. And these chapters, um, these sections in the Doctrine and Covenants, really uncover some really cool stuff about Heavenly Father in Christ. Um, for example, in in uh, section 20, verse 6, um, I love that it doesn't matter how bad you mess up and how bad you think you did, um, because if you repent, Heavenly Father will always forgive you. If you seek repentance, He will always forgive you, because that's the point, right? Like, it it would can be completely pointless if... We had a savior who died for our sins, who suffered for us, who made it possible for us through the atonement to return to Christ, to return to live with Heavenly Father. And then Heavenly Father was like, nah, I'm not forgiving them for that one. That was, nope, 
nope, sorry, not forgiving you for that. Like, that, it wouldn't make sense. Um, aside from, like, Sons of Perdition, who, which, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure I even know of any other, like, I don't, I don't think I know of any Sons of Perdition. Like, mortal men Sons of Perdition. Um, if you do, hit up Instagram, email me, let me know. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't off the top of my head. Um, but I love that even after messing up, because of repentance, God still ministers with holy angels um, to his servants. And I just love that. Um, oof. I'm also, I'm also nursing as I'm doing this. So I'm turning my pages with one hand. So bear with me here, people. Okay. Um, I love, I love that Heavenly Father... is forever. Does that make sense? Like, I love that he is timeless. Um, he doesn't change. Right. Um, and I love this because it means, I remember thinking about it one time about how people don't doubt that like, okay, let me rephrase. Honest, good Christian people who claim that they believe the Bible to, to be, um, real, don't doubt for a second that Heavenly Father spoke to Moses, that Moses parted the Red Sea. He does, they don't doubt that, you know, they did the thing with the serpents. They don't doubt all of the stories with the Pharaoh. They don't doubt, um, Joseph and his coat of many colors and becoming the, favorite, like all of those old scriptures, they don't doubt those. They don't doubt that, um, Christ walked on water. They don't doubt that he turned water into wine. Like all of these miracles, all of these times where heavenly father was directly speaking to a prophet, all of these things like, no, no, no. Yeah. That, that totally, totally happened. But then if you say, well, heavenly father still talks to a prophet. They're like, no, 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 no. That stopped. And it's like, why? Why would he stop talking to his children? Like, raising my children, I'm not going to talk to my eldest kid and talk to my second kid and then talk a little bit less to my third kid, my fourth kid. I'm just like, you're on your own, bro. Like, bye. Like, that doesn't make any sense. My fourth kid, who I'm currently nursing, stopped nursing and looked at me like, excuse me, mom? <laughs> why would you not talk to me? I would still talk to you, buddy. Um, and so I think that we're looking at Doctrine and Covenants verses 17 and 19, and it talks about how God is eternal. He is timeless. He is unchanging, right? The, he is the same today, tomorrow, yesterday, today, and forever, right? Um, and verses 11 through 12 talk about the same thing. And I think that it's so important to recognize that recognize this, but I because I think a lot of times we get kind of caught up in this concept of like Old Testament Heavenly Father and New Testament Heavenly Father, Old Testament Christ, New Testament Christ, oh baby, um, and uh, sorry, holding the baby here. I'm sure you can hear him cooing, but and I think it's important to recognize that it's. 
they're they're multifaceted beings, right? The Heavenly Father and Christ are, we're based off of them, okay? And I want you to think for a second about how complex human beings are. Like, how complex are you? Do you feel like you're a flat character? <laughs> I'm a writer, so we're going there. Do you feel like there's only one part of you? Or do you feel like there's so many things that make you you? Of course there are so many things that make you you. There's so many things that make me me. I'm I'm a walking juxtaposition in so many things. And I think it's important to note that we are created in the image and the likeness um, of our Heavenly Father. And because of that, we are... We know we are multifaceted beings, so of course he would be a multifaceted being. He's not going to be this fuzzy, cuddly Heavenly Father all the time. Um, I'm sure he wants to be. I want to be a fuzzy, cuddly Mary Poppins mom all the time. Um, but sometimes my kids don't need fuddy, fuzzy, cuddly Mary Poppins mom. They need discipline. <laughs> and they need to be told no and to... Um, get some plagues. <laughs> um, that's my, honestly, my favorite thing about reading about Heavenly Father in Christ in the Old Testament. It's like the amount of plagues that they send on people. I'm like, okay, when do we learn to send plagues on our children? Because I feel like that would be, that would be a good one to know. Okay. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about is, um, Oh, actually, I did write down some from Revelations in Context, so we are going to talk about that as well. Um, but I just wanted to talk about this one little section. And it says, Having the consent of the assembled believers, Joseph ordained Oliver Cowdery an elder in the church. And Oliver did the same for Joseph. Joseph was 24 years old at the time. Oliver was 23. Um, I am currently 31 years old. And I remember being 24 years old and I remember being 23 years old. And I can tell you that I'm a wiser human being now than I was then. I'm a better mom now than I was then. Um, partially because I was like a mom for like four seconds um, when I was 24 years old and then I turned 25. <laughs> um, I was, spent most of my year of being 24 being pregnant with my first kid. But the reason I bring this part into my section on the nature of Heavenly Father in Christ is because they don't, you don't have to be a certain age, right? There's no like age limit. I think sometimes we look at the general authorities, at least I do. I look at the general authorities and I think, you know what? It will be so cool when I'm their age and Heavenly Father can talk to me the way that, that he talks to them. And it has nothing to do with their age and everything to do with the relationship that they've built. And maybe it's taken them that long to build that relationship. But here we have Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith in their early mid-20s. And they have that same relationship with their Heavenly Father. Um, and I think it's important to be aware of that and to be aware that age... It's not about age, as we clearly know. I mean, you can look at the um, Old Testament, the New Testament, um, Joseph Smith, being, he was only 14 years old. I mean, how many of us would trust the average 14-year-old kid with what Joseph went through? Um, but then again, Joseph wasn't necessarily the average 14-year-old kid. I don't know how many 14-year-old boys are sitting there contemplating the existence of God. Um, 
hopefully more than I think. That would be really cool if there were lots of them out there wondering about that. Okay, so let's talk about the plan of salvation. So let's look at section 20, verses 20 through 28, and verses 30 through 31. Um, one of the things I love about this section particularly is it really kind of condenses what happens with Christ. Um, you know, it talks about how by the transgression of Adam, man became sensual and devilish. Um, and became fallen, right? And so because Heavenly Father loves us, he sends us, he sends us his only begotten son. He sends us Christ. And he sends us prophets who prophesy of Christ. And so we have scriptures that talk about Christ. Um, and then Christ comes, he suffers temptations, he's crucified, he dies, he rises again. And then he ascends into heaven to sit on the throne by God um, and reign with Heavenly Father. So here comes my favorite part. Not that I don't like that stuff too. But I love the fact that if we look at verses 25, 26, and 27. So it says that as many as would believe and be baptized in his holy name and endure in faith to the end should be saved. Okay, so that's that's the idea. Is that as many as believe him and are baptized and endure following the his commandments, following the gospel, those are the people that will be saved. But it's not just the people that lived in that 33-year span when Christ was alive and actively ministering on the earth. It is also, we know this in verse the next verse, it's not just the people who believed while he was in flesh, but it was also those before those, all of those people who believed before he came, right? So like in the Book of Mormon, we've got Nephi and Lehi. They were, had been dead for kind of a while by the time Christ actually came. And so we know that it's all the people before have the opportunity to believe in Christ. And all the people after Christ died have the opportunity to believe in Christ. And I just love how all-encompassing that is because I think it's just so sad to think that there are people that believe that if you missed out, if you lived in China during medieval times and never heard of Christ and never heard of Heavenly Father, that that's just the end and you just don't get, you just don't get a chance. Um, and I don't think that that's how Heavenly Father works. I know that's not how Heavenly Father works. We have textual scriptural evidence right here that tells us that is not how Heavenly Father works. Um, but for myself, being a parent, I think about how I wouldn't give a commandment to my kids, right? I wouldn't tell my older two girls, hey, this is a rule in our house and you need to follow this rule, otherwise you get kicked out of our house. And then never tell the boys because, well, you weren't born when I made the rule, so I'm sorry, you never figured it out. You just get kicked out when you break the rule that we did, you didn't even know we had, you know? Um, which, by the way, I wouldn't kick my kids out of the house for breaking a rule. Um, it's just just an example. Don't, don't call CPS on me. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Baby sneezes are the best. Okay, last scripture I wanted to talk about before we move on to application is section 21 verses 4 through 6. Um, I'm actually going to read 5 through 6. Um, and it says, For his word ye shall receive as if from mine own mouth, in all patience and faith, 
For by doing these things, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the power of, the dar of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. Okay, so um, we've talked about the concept of the gates of hell not prevailing um, against us before. So I actually want to talk about the trust that we are asked to have in our prophets. Um, I know, I think the Heavenly Father knows that it's hard for us. Like, I think he knows that it's hard for us sometimes to trust somebody else. Um, I know that with the 2020 and into 2021 pandemic, um, a lot of people have had a lot of trust issues. There's been a lot of trust issues this past couple of years. And I feel like there's a reason Heavenly Father had the prophet of our church also be a man of science. Um, and I think it's incredible that we have a man who is both a man of God and a doctor. Like he literally, and president, um, well, I guess he's not president anymore. Um, Elder Uchtdorf made this, he pointed this, wait, was it, was it Jeffrey R. Holland? One of them pointed out that we, we have a prophet who can, and can minister to us both for physically, right? He's a doctor. He understands how our bodies work. He understands the humanness of us, but also spiritually, he understands the eternal nature of us and how incredibly fortunate that is. And I don't think that it's just circumstance. I think that it was absolutely Heavenly Father's plan that um, Russell M. Nelson would be our prophet during this crazy pandemic and during these crazy times. Um, but it does take faith and it does take trust to listen to what he says and to follow his words, right? Because we don't necessarily have um, proof for everything he says. Obviously, there's some scientific proof um, for some of the things he's talking about. Um, but as a whole, most of the time, we don't have what the world would consider concrete proof to to show us that we should be listening to our prophet. What we have is our own personal experiences and the experiences of those that we know and love. Um, but when we listen, right, when we trust our prophets and when we do what they say, um, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And here's the other part I really wanted to point out that I just love. Um, the Lord God will disperse the power of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good. Okay. I don't feel like shaking the heavens is something that I would typically describe as being for good, but this is again, where that level of trust comes in. And I think that's essentially where, um, where we're going to move into application is we have to trust. We have to put our faith in heavenly father, in our prophets. And so sometimes that looks like doing things that we, we don't know why we're doing them. Um, I have had so many examples over the course of my lifetime where I've been asked to do something. Um, like I felt I need to do this thing, right? Um, for a little while I sold, um, Senegents, if you've heard of Lip Sense. Um, anyway, 
And I remember feeling so strongly, like my friend invited me to a Facebook party. I was like, whatever. I don't wear makeup. I've never worn makeup. Um, like maybe some lip gloss and eyeliner on date night kind of thing, but that's literally it. And I had no understanding. I had no understanding of why I was felt so strongly. I needed to join this MLM and sell these products. And I was like, I don't even use these products. Like why? But I felt very strongly. That's what I needed to do. So I did. So I did. Um, and then fast forward and I learned so much. It really helped pull me out of, um, some, some mom, I wouldn't say it was depression, but just kind of getting sucked into the world of mom and kind of forgetting Donica a little bit. Um, and it really helped pull me out of that with all of the learning I got to do. But then fast forward eight months, I got introduced to Color Street and that was really cool. And I actually really liked that one. Um, but I was like, no, I'm going to do so great, so many great things with this other thing. And then I felt pulled to leave that and to join Color Street. So I was like, okay. So I did that. Fast forward a couple more months, my husband falls off a roof. I'm eight months pregnant. We have no income to speak of, and we have no income for the next month because um, we were depending on that last two-week paycheck to, to tide us over. But because of the first thing I did with Senegens, I had all this training. And so because of that training, when I jumped into Color Street, I was very successful right away. And so I had a steady stream of income. It wasn't a lot. It definitely was not enough to live off of. Um, but it was enough to get us through two weeks that we didn't know that we were, we were going to get money. Um, and it was huge. It was huge. And so I have learned over the course of my life to trust heavenly father and know how matter how crazy it seems, no matter how out of character for me, it seems if Heavenly Father is telling me you need to do this thing, I have learned, do it. Um, Heavenly Father will never lead you astray. And if for some reason you start going a direction that he doesn't want you to go in, he'll let you know. He will let you know loud and clear. Um, as long as you're regular with him in terms of your prayers and your relationship. And so be building that and trust him. And I will talk to you next week.